You are listening to Feminist Current. I'm Megan Murphy. Surrogacy has become a relatively mainstream practice. Celebrities and those with means treat surrogacy as a harmless option to aid women who cannot or do not wish to carry their own babies or to allow gay couples to have children. Few seem to consider the impact on mother and baby. A new surrogacy bill in Quebec proposes changes to current legislation that would recognize surrogacy contracts, which are not currently enforceable under Quebec law. Surrogacy contracts arguably violate the individual human rights of both the mother and the baby. And even in countries like Canada, where women can't technically be paid as surrogates, there are ways to financially compensate the women employed to carry these babies, meaning exploitation remains a factor and a risk. These matters are complex and often misunderstood by the general public, who, again, tend to see surrogacy as a positive option connected to women's rights and gay rights. This is why a number of groups, like Pour des Femmes Québec, are fighting against the surrogacy industry and to educate the public, and working to ensure that it doesn't become even easier to employ and exploit surrogates in Quebec. I spoke with Clémence Trilling, an occupational therapist and a member of Pour des Femmes PDF Quebec, about this issue and the reforms currently being proposed in the province. So, I mean, first of all, thanks for taking the time to talk with me today about this issue. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me, Megan. Um, so you're a member of uh, Pool des Femmes Québec, PDF Québec. I wonder first you can tell me a little bit about that organization. Well, uh, PDF Quebec is a, a feminist organization that defends uh, um, women's rights in Quebec. Um, you know, we have uh, uh, opposed uh, Bill uh, C-16 and defend uh, secularism. And also we are um, interested in surrogacy and surrogacy law. Okay. Um, and I know, I, I don't know a ton about the history of surrogacy in Quebec and the laws surrounding surrogacy. Um, I wonder if you can talk to me a bit about that. What's the history of surrogacy around Quebec? How long has that been um, practiced in the province? Well, um, as a, um, in uh, other things in uh, Canada, uh, Quebec is uh, what we call a distinct society. So um, there are things that are a tiny bit different. Um, but uh, we are under the same law as uh, Canada is the law of assisted uh, reproduction of 2004. Um, and that makes um, doesn't make surrogacy like a uh, criminal. It, uh, so surrogacy is legal. Like you, one cannot be punished for surrogacy in Canada and therefore in Quebec. Um, but uh, there are some issues with this law. Um, one loophole we've found is that uh, foreign clients can uh, pay the surrogate when the fund uh, go through uh, outside of Canada. Um, they are agency and they do advertising and also um, eggs, they sh uh, the, um, 
buying and selling of uh, eggs is forbidden in Canada, but still clinics can purchase them uh, with um, through egg banks. Um, and also there have been uh, push to um, move towards paid surrogacy um, by um, a liberal uh, MP, Anthony House father, and also by uh, the senators, but this push have not gone forward. So that's for the federal law. Uh, the provincial law, this is very different because uh, Quebec is under the civil code. So the civil code is uh, what is called positive law. So it's based on principle. And we have two very important principles. One is um, um, that human um, body cannot be a commodity. Uh, so it's called indisponibilité du corps humain in French, and also human dignity. So it's like you cannot alienate your own freedom. And these are very important principles, and they are in the Charter of Right and Freedom of Quebec. Can I interrupt and you for it, half a second? Sure. So you just said um, you can't alienate your own freedom. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's okay, the so principle. It's called human dignity. Okay, and what does that mean? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, in the context of surrogacy, um, is that uh, women, they sign contracts. Um, and um, uh, so I don't want to go into too much detail into the project of law, but it's like um, when you sign a contract of surrogacy, it alienates human dignity human dignity, it alienates your own freedom because one renounces uh, their basic rights. Um, so um, there are a lot of restrictions that are put in contracts. Um, like some uh, women, they cannot engage in certain physical activity. They have to eat certain foods. Uh, I mean, pregnancy is a special state in every woman and you cannot do everything, but this is contractual. Um, and there is also uh, some contracts that uh, say that women cannot speak about their experience because it's uh, confidential medical information. So they alienate their right to speak about their experience. Mm. Um, so that's uh, one of the reasons why the narrative is, uh, is like a script uh, with regard to surrogacy. So that said... In um, the there is a project of uh, the change of law in Quebec, and in that project, uh, we don't know yet uh, what will be allowed in the contract and what will not be allowed in the contract. So we don't know uh, that will be like said after with a reglement, so with a, a, a ruling after uh, the law is voted, if it is voted. Um, so in 1994, uh, the, the one article in the civil code was voted in Quebec, and it's still uh, the law now, is that the contract of surrogacy are, are not uh, legal. They are not enforceable. They are uh, against public order. And um, so Quebec clients, they still engage in surrogacy. They go to other provinces or countries. And if they go locally, the children are adopted via special consent adoption. So we don't know the numbers of surrogacy that are occurring in Quebec. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we came across a number of adoption via special consent, and there doesn't seem to be so much of them. So uh, this article, the uh, 541, um, might be like a deterrent for now. Mm-hmm. And so um, Article 541 of the Civil Code of Quebec says, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it says that surrogacy contracts are null. Um, so those those contracts are not legally binding. Is that correct? That's the situation right now in Quebec law? Exactly, exactly. And they are also against public order, which means um, they are against the common good. So that a contract between two people, um, you know, there are certain limitations to what a contract can Um, have. So this contract, they are against public order because one party gets all the benefits and one party gets all the risk. So they are very asymmetrical, but totally asymmetrical contract. Um, So this is uh, the current law. Uh And so now there are proposed changes to the law, correct? Exactly. So the bill now, uh, it's been written, there has been public hearing, and uh, now the bill is back to be re-examined by a commission. Um, So I will call this bill PL2. It's a huge bill that has a lot of reform of family law, but it has surrogacy in it. Okay. And so are you concerned about these changes? What what are you thinking that they might be attempting to change in terms of the, the surrogacy laws in Quebec? So, uh, yes, we are very, very concerned. Um, we, we wrote a brief uh, for this bill, but we were not invited to the, the hearings. So in the hearings, there was only groups that were in favor of uh, regulating surrogacy. Um, so what they are doing is they are uh, making the contract um, enforceable and written by a notary. Uh, and there are a lot of concern uh, in this bill. I will go over the main one. Okay. Um, the one is uh, there are no safeguarding. So, for example, it didn't say that um, surrogate mother uh, would have had the experience of maternity before. There is, uh, so that it could be their first child that they carry for somebody else. There is no insurance in case the mother dies. Um, The client can seize the court if the mother does not give consent after the birth. So... The law uh, writes that the mother needs to give consent uh, between seven days after the birth and up to 30 days after the birth. No, no sooner than seven days and up to 30. She can change it up to 30 days. Um, but the clients can still seize the court. So this has been highlighted to the government. And uh, this is like, will, will the court rule like in favor of the surrogate mother if she doesn't have a lot of money, um, you know, she's very vulnerable. So that's a big concern. And there is no prior assessment of parental capacities of the clients. Hmm. So that, that's one concern. 
Um, so surrogates in Quebec are not paid. Is that right? I think that's the law in, in Canada. So I'm assuming that's, that's also the law in Quebec. Yes. Uh, so that's one other thing that's not written in the law project is that we don't know what they will be able to be reimbursed and what they won't be able to be reimbursed. So we don't know the details of, uh, so it's compensation, it's not called payment. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a loophole of the federal law uh, with foreign clients. Uh, But um, the surrogate mother like will receive a lot of uh, benefits. So uh, maternity leave, expense, compensation, like if they cannot work, they can have compensation. Um, and even one advocate of surrogacy, when researcher said it can be, a, surrogacy is a great way to go back to school. <laughs> so mm. we are like, don't we have, couldn't we have like better way for a mother to go back to school than, you know, putting their body available for others? Why? So they're saying that's a good way for women to go back to school. What? Because they can go on maternity leave and then they have time to go back to school because they're not working full time. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's not ideal. That's not the ideal circumstances for going back to school. Exactly. And I think the biggest problem, and that was highlighted during the hearing, because I've listened to a lot of them, it means that um, there are no means to enforce the regulation if the conditions are, are not met. So, for example, if we see a payment or if the mother is under the age of 21, because 21 was like the minimal age, uh, well, what will happen? Because punishing the parent client is like punishing the child. Um, So this was asked to the government and no answer was really given. Um, So as foreigners, uh, you know, they are already coming into Canada, in Ontario, in BC. Uh, I have, um, you know, I, I think it's uh, 45% uh, foreigners in BC in one year. Um, and in Ontario as well, there is a significant number of uh, surrogate children that are commissioned by foreigners. And we have several cases happening in Quebec. Um, and it's a client from France. They are happy with the French language. Um, and also what we have noticed is that France is, um, is lenient into uh, arranging the birth certificate when the client go back to France as well because there is a lot of pressure there. So we are worried that Quebec will become a very popular destination due to uh, all the public funding that go into that plan to go into surrogacy with this change of law. Mm. I mean, there are countries where it's legal for women to be paid um, to be surrogates for, you know, women who are generally wealthier. Um, And so, of course, that causes all sorts of problems in terms of the exploitation factor because poor women have an incentive to rent out their bodies to these wealthier couples. Um, but what would be the incentive in a place like Canada where um, you can't really make, I mean, there, there's the, the, these ways that you can be compensated in other ways, but you're not going to get, you know, I don't, 
I don't actually know how much it's common to pay women to become surrogates, but um, you're not going to make, you know, thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars in Canada by being a surrogate. So what would be the incentive for women? Well, that's a very good question. And what happens when there are regulation in place? So I just want to remind your listener that uh, surrogacy is banned in a lot of countries. Most European countries, most countries in the world, surrogacy is banned. But in some um, legislation that tolerates it, but it's regulated with restriction, like Australia, uh, the UK, or Canada, well, uh, regulation increase the demand because it creates legitima- legitimization. And so there is not enough women who are willing to engage into surrogacy um, in uh, uh, Quebec or in Canada. And so uh, the overflow go to country uh, where is a larger pool of poorer women who don't have access to meaningful employment and gainful employment. And so this is what we see with the situation in Ukraine right now. Okay. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about that? What's going on in the Ukraine? I've seen some news reports about um, uh, surrogates about women um, in the Ukraine who are surrogates being trapped in, in bad conditions as a result of these, these contracts? Well, like so Ukraine is a popular surrogacy destination because the legislation were very um, loose. And uh, we, we even had a, um, a speaker, Maria Dmitrieva, she's a, a feminist from Ukraine. She told us that Ukrainians, they don't use surrogacy themselves to build their family. So it's almost 100% foreigners. Um, so right now, with the, the war that is happening in Ukraine, uh, it's a extremely complicated. Uh, There are babies that are being born in basement and they are held in a bunker in in Kiev. Uh, And surrogate mothers are displaced. Some of them are separated from their family, some of them by by choice, some of them not by choice. Uh, We are seeing surrogate mothers that are being displaced into the UK or into France to give birth. And there are a lot of concern what happens if they give birth in the country because then there will be the legal mother. Um, I've read reports of clients, uh, they are hiring drivers, but the agency say, oh, you have to hire a driver that's over 60 because if you hire a man that's between 18 and 60, they should be in the Ukrainian army. So it's, uh, they are, you know, I, I was really... Um, surprised because they they uh, put the local population at risk. So you have local nannies; they are taking risk and traveling to the border to deliver babies to the client. And we are asking the question: like, what's the difference between this and pure child trafficking? Because they don't have the proper document. Um, and uh, also it's taking the burden in hospital and taking away care from other Ukrainian patients who are experiencing like a war. Um, and Maria Dmitrieva was telling us that um, already recruiters target refugee women. 
and um, because there is no police, because the police is fighting looting or other men are in the army, refugee women are very vulnerable. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, my impression is that most people nowadays think that surrogacy is not a problem. And not only do they think that it's not a problem, but they actually think it's a good thing. They think it's a it's a helping. Um, you know, for example, it's helping women who are infertile to be able to have children. It's helping gay couples to be able to have children. Um, has has public perception of surrogacy changed at all over the years, or do you always think that it's been a fairly accepted practice? Well, I, I would say that, uh, you know, there is a lot of uh, media coverage that is always very favorable to surrogacy. And um, what we have noticed is uh, the narrative around surrogacy is like a script. And it's um, also using the language of altruism and generosity and help. And this is uh, reproductive reproducing sexist stereotypes on women which have always have to be the caretaker and the one who does sacrifice <laughs> um but also I, I we find that the media is uh, play a big part in in putting this very positive but also there is not a lot of true information um with surrogacy like uh, there is a huge lack of transparency there is no reliable data um, on surrogacy in Canada, so the the public cannot make a true informed opinion. And also, I've been reading a lot of research on surrogacy, and my point would be there is a lack of diverse point of view in research. Uh, you have legal scholars, you have sociologists, and they always kind of take the point of view of the client. Um, for example, uh, one researcher. Um, I was asking her about the medical risk of surrogacy, which are uh, significant and documented. And she said, oh, surrogacy is the same risk as in vitro fertilization. So that was her methodology. She was using studies that compare surrogacy to in vitro. But then for a surrogate who is very, a surrogate mother who is very healthy and that has to go to in vitro fertilization and those um, very heavy medical procedure, well, she should compare it to like a spontaneous pregnancy. So for us, surrogacy is um, medical violence to women. Mm -hmm. And can you talk a bit more about the risks? You know, what do women go through as surrogates? So uh, women, uh, the surrogate uh, pregnancy, commissioned pregnancy, they are most of the time in vitro fertilization. And why is that? There is no medical reason. That's what is the most absurd to me. Uh, they do that because the mother is not genetically related to her child. But that's just one aspect. Because the, the mother will nurture her child through her blood, to her breathing, to what she's eating. So she will be related to the child, of course, through the nine months of pregnancy. So the woman has to go through heavy hormone treatment that will sort of like halt her system to make it ready to have the embryo implanted. But the fecundation of the egg 
and the sperm is made outside of the body, it, it's implanted into the woman. And of course, something that's very often forgotten and it touches young women is the process of egg harvesting. So the women, they have to go into ovarian hyperstimulation and then the eggs are extracted. And that's two different women who have a medical procedure on them to produce a surrogate pregnancy. Um, and uh, there is a lot of rate of C-section, a lot of obstetrical risk like preeclampsia, hemorrhagia. Um, so all the, these are really increased with surrogacy because the egg is different from the mother. You know, the eggs is outside. Mm -hmm. So what the scientists are believing is that there are some immune response that make all the risk increase with um, another uh, uh, egg, ovocyte. Right. And what about the impact on the baby? Well, that's an excellent question. Well, legally, surrogacy violates all the children's rights because ch children have the right um, to access their identity. So they have, have a right to access uh, their genetic identity, their origin. That's what is in, uh, in the law. But in reality, it's not possible because of the anonymity of the egg donation. And also, one of the researchers that I listened to, she said there is an experience in Sweden. They have made a registry of uh, this case was uh, sperm donors. Uh, but there is not a lot of inquiry when children come adult to this registry of sperm donors. And so the question is like, do the parents really tell the children uh, about the truth about their birth? And the projected law, the PL2, uh, gives the responsibility to the parent to say the truth to their children. And some research, they are like, it's not sure that they always do it. They claim they will do it, but when it comes to time, do they do it? So children are deprived of their genetic origin. And uh, mother and baby interaction is, um, is crucial for development. Um, it's crucial for development of self-regulation. It's crucial for development of executive function. So all of these very important development, it's, it's taken away because the baby is taken away from his mother and the baby doesn't read contract. So for the baby, the experience is like losing their mother. And this perspective is never really taken into account. It's like the client, the story of the baby begins with them, you know, but the baby's story begins during the pregnancy and the birth. And there is no breastfeeding. That's one more thing that's never talked about. Yeah, and that's unhealthy for the mother and the baby, eh? Yeah, because it's mutually beneficial. Mm -hmm. And so the the mother, her she she knows her baby is alive, but her body thinks the baby is dead. You know. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, to me, it sounds like it's it's part of what I see as this trend of 
people believing that they can sort of exist outside of nature, you know, that they can use technology to resolve any problem that they have. And people tend not to really think about the consequences of doing that kind of thing. Well, and it's also come back to our relationship with uh, reality. You know, there in this projected law, there is a lot of uh, change of language. So it's person who gives birth, mm. person who is pregnant. Um, it's even it's not even martin, maternity leave. It's leave for birth. You know, so um, and I came across uh, some clients. They made a site for a surrogate mother in Quebec, and they say, "Oh, she's an auntie." She's an aunt, but I know what an aunt is, <laughs> and an aunt is different from what a mother is. You know, uh, she, uh, she had a C-section. She says she has postpartum depression. There is a, a very moving video of her crying when her baby is going back, is is being um, taken away by the client, and. That's not an aunt tear, it's a mother tears, you know. So it's we are made to believe uh, something different from what we see. It puts everybody in cognitive dissonance. Right, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, there is this, this broad trend um, wherein we can't even say the word mother or woman in relation to things that only female bodies do pregnancy for example menstruation giving birth um and i mean that to me you know it's dehumanizing um and it takes away from the mother baby bond um and it's you know it's essentially i think it forces people into this sort of state of confusion where they can't really speak about reality um and they can't speak the truth and they can't speak about things that are obvious that they see in front of their faces i mean i know women who are pregnant who are just beyond livid about these kinds of alterations to language and you know because it's it's happening to their body um and it would be maddening and i think i mean i suspect people who hire surrogates maybe don't realize or don't think about the impact on the mothers. They don't think about the impact, not just in terms of like health impacts, but in terms of, you know, psychological, emotional trauma on the surrogate who has to give up her baby. Well, it's, it's hard to say what the, the clients think. I would say that, um, what we've seen is that their their legitimate desire, I mean, it's legitimate to desire to be a parent, and, um, but it's not a right. It's a privilege. And um, so there are other ways to become parent than surrogacy. There is, a, you know, it's, it's like a mantra. There is always adoption. And I know that adoption is not that easy, but adoption is made to repair it's not made to cause harm. It's yeah. made to um, repair um, a child who has had difficult circumstances. So it's a very different um, intention. And I, I believe that, you know, um, the human species would not exist without adoption. It's a, a key feature in our um, 
evolution it's very important but uh, surrogacy is very different from adoption is make, making a child motherless by purpose so it's very different and uh, all of that is for profit uh, surrogacy is a growing industry and the only obstacle is uh, legislation and public scrutiny it's surrogacy is always commercial um it doesn't matter to us if the mother is paid or not and what her, her motives. It's always commercial. So the clients I was talking to you about, they made a loan and to, to pay for all the expenses because they pay for the agency and the fertility clinic. And money leads to a form of entitlement. And we can see that with the situation in, um, in Ukraine where... You know, um, uh, there are some Canadian surrogate um, clients that will ask, when will the transfer start again? The embryo transfer on Ukrainian surrogates. While you see in the news, the war, <laughs> you know, so they don't realize the, they are disconnected maybe from reality just by asking that question. You know, of course, transfer will are stopping, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the practice has been normalized to such an extent that it makes sense that people aren't really thinking about it. Otherwise, they're thinking, you know, this is this is an option for me who is, you know, infertile or, you know, I'm in, uh, you know, I'm in a gay partnership, so we can't have a baby of our own and so on and so forth. Um, I'm wondering what it is that you're you're hoping to happen in Quebec. What are you what are you fighting right now and what would you suggest other people do if they want to get more involved um in 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 you know legislation in canada and quebec around surrogacy to ensure that it doesn't become a worse problem than it already is well for now the the our bill is in process so um if you live in canada or quebec i would encourage listeners to go to their mps and voice their concern and ask questions, you know, because one interesting thing is that MPs are concerned. Uh, from what I've read of the debate and the comments and their questions, which were really good, um, they are concerned. They think it's going too fast. They know it's women's body. Um, they are concerned, but it's the problem is the the experts, uh, quote unquote, that were um, handpicked by the government to speak about the issue. And it's all people that are vested into uh, surrogacy. They have interest, like the doctors, the lawyers. Um, so I would encourage uh, people to reach to their MPs because from what I have seen, MPs are concerned and they want to do a good job. They just don't have all the information. Um, I would encourage people to sign the WDI uh, declaration that has um, an aspect of uh, sur surrogacy in it. So the Women's Declaration International is against surrogacy. And to sign the um, international uh, declaration for the abolition of surrogate motherhood. Uh, the website is uh, uh, S-I-A-M-S. So it's SIAM. It's our co international coalition. Mm -hmm. 
If they are in Quebec, they can become member of PDF Quebec. In the UK, it's top surrogacy now. And also, uh, there is a, um, an interesting journalist. She writes about assisted reproduction. Her name is Alison Mutluck, and she has a substack. It's called Hey Reprotech. Um, it doesn't advocate for the abolition of uh, surrogacy because that's what we advocate for. That's what we ask the government. We ask the government to keep the article 541 and to uh, work towards international abolition of surrogacy. So Alison Mutlag doesn't advocate for that herself, but she's a wealth of information and she's very transparent and tries to be balanced in her coverage of the issue. So it's uh, a very interesting read every time um, I get her newsletter. So I would recommend that. Okay, great. That's very helpful. Um, thanks again for talking with me today about this issue and for your work um, advocating around these kinds of bills and issues. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Megan. Okay. Thank you for having us. Of course. Take care. Goodbye. Bye. You just heard an interview with Clémence Trilling. To learn more about PDF Quebec, visit pdfquebec.org. That is all the time we have for today. I'm Megan Murphy. Thanks for tuning in to Feminist Current. You can find us online at feministcurrent.com, tweet at us at feministcurrent, or send us an email at info at feministcurrent.com. We are hosted by Libsyn, and you can subscribe to the Feminist Current Podcast anywhere you like to listen. iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Spotify, and beyond. You can even give us five stars and a review on iTunes. Feminist Current is produced and hosted by myself, Megan Murphy. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider making a donation to support our work. Just visit feministcurrent.com and click the donate button.